This morning, we have a longtime friend and guest to open the Word of God for us, and that is Doug Nichols. He is a missionary with Commission to Every Nation. Many of you already know him, as well as Margie, his wonderful wife. If you're not familiar with him, well, you've probably met him at the front door when he's greeted you or served you a cup of tea or given you a plate of food. And perhaps if you're newer, you probably thought he was the pastor, as he has been insisted to be. He looks and is so much more mature than I, and it is my privilege to have him here. Let's give him a warm welcome. This is a special day for us. We have uh, our good friends, very good friends, Jerry and Candace Bingham. Missionaries in Mexico, thank you so much for being here, and my uh, favorite brother-in-law and sister-in-law, and that's saying a lot. This is Margaret's sister, uh, Linda, and her husband, Nelson. Nelson is the uh, Africa Coordinator for Action, and uh, God is using them. They've just returned from Uganda, from the very ministry that Jerry and Candace began in Uganda uh, several years ago, so we are very fortunate to have them here with us today. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I'll begin to read verse 14, I'll read the Word of God and pray and then we'll divide this passage of Scripture or my message, a new life in Christ, into two main points, salvation and sanctification, with the main body of the message being about sanctification, our holiness in Christ. So let's look at the Word of God. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Word of God says, For the love of Christ constrains us, Having concluded this, no one died for all, that one died for all, but therefore all died. I misread that. It's not constraints, it's for the love of Christ controls us. Is that correct? Does he control you? You know, many of us, uh, like in the Philippines, we have a terminology saying, uh, a Christian, a believer, uh, we use the phrase mananampalataya, which means true believer. And a true believer is one who, not only who professes Christ, but unlike many countries, who's been baptized to identify with Christ in his death and burial and resurrection. Does Christ control you? It's a good question we can ask ourselves today, isn't it? Verse 15, And Christ died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh. That's how we recognize people, isn't it? You know, what they portray to the world. Worldly attributes. Paul is saying, we don't do that anymore. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, that's how he knew him before. In fact, Paul was seeking to put the followers of Christ to death. Yet now we know him in this way no longer because he's becoming his personal savior. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's verse 18. First, look at verse 19. This ministry of reconciliation Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. 
He's given us the word of reconciliation. He's given us a life to live, which opens the door for us to share that life, that message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As God, God was, we're making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to him. And then one of the most important verses in the Bible, verse 21. He, God, made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let us pray. Father, this is an amazing passage of Scripture. For a few moments this morning, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. That your name would be glorified. That we would be encouraged and edified. And that we would leave here today different people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My message today is dealing with new life in Christ. Uh, two main points. Number one, salvation, which is what I'll deal with briefly. And in more detail, sanctification. Number one, salvation. In China in 1928, the leader of a bandit gang of ex-soldiers were visiting the city of Shanghai. Passing a gospel hall one night, he saw the crowd, so he went in to see what all the excitement was about. The bandit leader stood with many others and listened intently to a young Bible school student. His name was Andrew Gee. As he preached the good news of salvation in Christ. At the close of his message, Andrew Gee described a sinner a man without God, without peace, without forgiveness, and without hope. He then simply asked a rhetorical question. As he described the sinner in such detail, he said, Are you here tonight? Are you in the crowd tonight? The young ex-soldier and thief and gang leader immediately put up his hand. And called out as if the question was directed personally to him. Yes, sir. I'm here tonight. And I need your Jesus. Would you please introduce him to me? Have you ever raised your hand like that? Recognizing that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Have you recognized that your sin has kept you away from God? You know, Jesus did not come to call you to salvation if you are righteous. Jesus only came to save sinners. Have you trusted him to save you from your sin? And have you walked in newness of life as a testimony for him and his glory? You remember last Easter... When six people were baptized by Pastor Joe, most of them were young people, and all of them shared the testimony just before they were baptized. May I share one of them with you? They were all good. But let me share what one of them wrote. When I started attending the youth group, I began to read and study the Bible. I learned a lot about my need for a Savior. Have you come to that place? Do you need a Savior? Or you say, I don't need one. One of the Bible passages I studied was Romans 10, 9 and 10, which says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I know that I have sinned a lot in my life, and I needed to ask God 
for forgiveness. This is a 13-year-old boy. Some of you are much older than 13. And you have sinned a lot. Have you come to the Savior and asked him to forgive you of your sin? In Romans 6.23, he continues. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. So I prayed and asked God to forgive me. I prayed and asked God to forgive me. Has he forgiven you? Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you come to faith in Christ? Some of you, by your actions, it doesn't seem like you have been forgiven. Some of you, you, you come to church maybe as, a, as just a, it's, it's a thing to do. It's almost like a social club to you. You know, you, you go about your various chores. You might even work in the kitchen. You might even, you know, help with the janitorial work. You might go about your various activities. But it's like something to draw attention maybe even to yourself. But have you come to Christ for forgiveness? And are you walking in newness of life? So I prayed and asked God to forgive me. And I am now work, working every day to grow in my relationship with him. This leads to the, my second point, sanctification. Notice what he said. I am now working every day to grow in my relationship with him. So, my second point, sanctification. Sanctification, which, or salvation, which leads to sanctification. In salvation, we are sanctified. You know what that word means, don't you? Set apart unto God. You belong to God now. We are now to grow in sanctification, holiness unto God. The Apostle Peter says in 2 Peter 3.18, we are to grow in the knowledge of Christ. This is a lifelong process. Some of us are old, like, you know, like me, 75. We have much more to grow in preparation for glory, to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ every day. For example, Growing in Christ, Colossians 3, 5, 8, and 12 to 14. Therefore, consider the members of your body as dead to immorality and impurity and passion and evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Notice that. Five things to put to death. As we grow in sanctification, this list in Colossians, five things to put to death. Now, some of you have dealt with those four listed sins of sexual sins, but have you dealt with that other one, greed, covetousness, which amounts to idolatry? But now also put aside anger and wrath and malice and slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie one to another. Five things to put to death as we grow in sanctification. Now, six things to put off. It's almost like the Apostle Paul is saying to the Colossian, you still have these things, which amounts to the things that we say from our mouth. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on. Now, five things to put to death, six things to take off. Now, seven things to put on. Put on a heart of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is a perfect bond of unity. That's growing in sanctification. True repentance and salvation results in a changed life. Now consider this. If you have not changed... You have not repented unto salvation. You have not repented salvation. Has your life changed? Is it evidence? Is it evidence? Is your life evidence of, 
of, of what you profess. In 1963, I was in India serving with Operation Mobilization. And uh, I had tuberculosis. And after spending time in the sanatorium, uh, I was released, but I had to be under house rest, not house arrest, but house rest, for, uh, for three months. And uh, the ministry I was with, Operation Mobilization, found a, a private home, and I, I lived there for three months, just eating and drinking a lot of good special Indian tea. We call it chai. And uh, every morning or most mornings, a milkman would come and deliver milk at the front door of the gate. And uh, very interesting. The milkman would come with his cow. <laughs> and he would sit, he had a stool and sit there. And I noticed that all the, the workers of the home would go out and watch the milkman milk. You know, very intently watching him. And I asked, what are you doing? They said, well, we have to watch that the milkman doesn't put water in the milk. You know, so that he would be able to have more milk to sell and water down the milk. But then they told me a story of a milkman who did that. And he, um, he wasn't a believer and he wanted to make money. He couldn't, you know, people always catching him putting water in the milk. So what he did, he got a kind of a rubber, strong rubber bag, and he put a tube in it, pretty three and a half foot tube, and he put the tube in the bag full of water. He put the bag under his shirt, and he ran the tube down the long sleeve shirt. And as he milked the cow, he would squeeze the water, would come out into, and they, they couldn't find how he was putting water and then diluting the milk. But something happened to the milkman. Somebody shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with him, and he trusted Christ as Savior. You know the first thing he did? He got rid of of the bag full of water. And he began to deliver the milk. And people began to say, hey, milkman, this milk that you're delivering, you're giving us now is so rich and creamy. Did you get a new cow? <laughs> and the answer came back, no, but you now have a new milkman because my life has changed in Christ. My text today is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. So let me list some of the new things that characterizes a new milkman, a new believer, a new creation in Christ. The characteristic of a believer who is growing in sanctification. And we're just... I'll just list six. New affections and new actions and new associations and appetites and, and aims. Number one, new affections, which characterizes a person who's seeking to grow in holiness. Colossians 3 1 says, Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, set your affections, your affections, on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So new affections. What are they? Love for Christ? Love for his people in the church? Love to hear the word of God preached week after week? Love for the word? You know, David said, I love your law, O God. So do we read the word of God? Do we, do we love it? Not only is the Bible the sovereign word of God, it's sufficient in all things of life and godliness. And if, and if the word of God is sufficient for all things, 
to life and godliness. All things. How to be a better student, a better wife, husband, whatever it is, business person. All things to life and godliness. Why aren't we spending more time in the Word of God? Do you have time? Do you, do you have a motto such as no Bible, no breakfast? You know, reading your Bible, four to five pages a day, you can read the Bible through in a, in a whole year. Somebody gave me a, 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 a ESV study Bible, big print. It's that thick. With all the notes, if I read eight pages of that every day with the notes, it's like a study program for one year. I could do that, go through the Bible in one year. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be equipped for every good work. Every good work. Yes, uh, new affections characterize uh, our growth in Christ, but also new attitudes. Number two, new attitudes. Notice the attitudes we are to have in Colossians 3.12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, uh, kindness, humility, Gentleness, patience, forgiveness, and love. Notice these things that we put on. From rudeness to kindness. Are you a kind person? You know, people might look at us old people and they say, Oh man, that guy's old and ugly. So what? But can they say that person is kind? You know, in my, I, you heard this illustration before. When my son Robbie was courting Deanna uh, years ago, and I asked him one time, uh, Robbie, why, why do you like Deanna? Why do you like her so much? And he thought for a few moments and said, oh, Dad, for three reasons. Number one, she's so much like the Lord Jesus. And number two, Deanna is so much like Mom, and number three, Deanna is so kind to everybody. Kind. You know, the, the, the description of God more often used in the Old Testament is the word, the loving kindness of God. God is kind. <laughs> and we're to put on kindness. It's a fruit of the Spirit, but it's something we need to constantly work at. From pride to humility. A new attitude from roughness to gentleness. Uh, the attitude from, from anxiety to patience. From grumpiness. Boy, some of us, excuse me, I was going to say some of you, but I should say us. Some of us are so grumpy. Why aren't we more thankful? To have the attitude of Gratitude. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through him then, Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What is this sacrifice of praise to God? That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. To be abounding in gratitude. Another attitude is from selfishness to generosity. Are you a generous person? Are you a generous person? You know, some people are generous. Why aren't you generous? In 1993, I had uh, cancer. Very serious cancer. We had insurance, but after I came home from the hospital, I'm sitting at the table one day and going all over the hospital bills. And I noticed that Insurance had taken care of everything, but about $8,000. And we had, did not have $8,000. Well, God, through his people in the United States and Canada, sent in $2,000 to help us. There's still a balance of 6000 
Well, going to the mailbox every day, these long, long envelopes started coming from the Philippines. 20 pesos, 40 pesos, 50 pesos, 100 pesos. 50 pesos was about a dollar. And here's an envelope. It cost 50 pesos to send another 50 pesos. And all these pesos were coming in. What do you do with pesos? So our office was in Bothell. I go across the street to the U.S. Bank. <laughs> Can you change these pesos? The manager happened to be a Filipina. And she said, where are you getting all these pesos? I gave her the pesos. Small little gifts flooded that bank amounting to $6,000. You know, I tell that story because, see, some of us, we think we only give when we write a check for 500 or 1000 which is wonderful. But if everybody contributed 50 cents here, a dollar here, it amounted to $6,000. Are you generous? Can you tell a story like that of the way you have given your money to meet the needs of others? New affections, new attitudes. Number three, new actions. The action of good deeds. Titus 3, 8. Those who have believed in God will be careful to engage in good deeds. I listened to a message, Margaret and I listened to a, a message yesterday and it was dealing with the Reformation and all the great doctrines of, of the, the Reformation, the Scripture. It's interesting, there's a point in that message where he said, even, you know, we, 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 we magnify the sovereign uh, grace of God in giving us salvation in his sovereign plan, he brought us to himself. But did you also know that in his sovereign plan, he also predestined, he planned our good works that you and I as believers are to do? Then he quoted Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for our good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know what that verse is saying? If you're not walking in good works, if the world cannot see that there is a little difference in you and me in the way we walk every day, we're not walking in God's will. We're not showing an evidence of our salvation in Christ because we're not walking in good works. Now, the action of good deeds, the action of righteousness. Another action, Romans 6, 19, present your members, your body, as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. New actions of sanctification and holiness. What we watch, what we read, what we listen to, what we wear. New actions of how we act and talk and what we do for others and how we treat others. This is where manners come in. Manners. You know what manners are, don't you? Manners are the kindness of Christ in action. As we display manners, which the world has, but you and I as Malanampalataya, true believers, <laughs> it should be an evidence in our life all the time. The kindness of Christ in action. Speaking politely and kindly to others. Giving your chair to the elderly or to women. Opening the door for others and, and, and serving others first. Smiling at the shy and being kind to the poor. Helping others to cross the street and up the stairs. Showing respect to others by the, by the way you dress. Especially at special occasions like weddings and funerals and recitals and at church. 
Do you go to church or special occasions looking as if you slept in your clothes all night or you've been camping for three days? The manners of modesty. Uh, Fathers and mothers, teach your children modesty. Proverbs 11.22 has a very interesting verse. Like a gold ring and a pig snout. A gold ring and a pig snout. These don't go together. So is a beautiful woman who lacks discretion. Who, who is without discretion. A beautiful woman who lacks modesty. One does not need to dress in a pre- provocative, immodest way to be beautiful. Be a godly young lady, a woman. A godly woman with a, the true beauty of the radiance of Christ. Number four, new, new associations. What we associate with and who we associate with. Number one, what we associate with. Very interesting verse in 1 Corinthians 7.31. Those who use the things of the world should not become attracted to them or attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. So what are you associated with? Riches or righteousness? Clothes and cars or Christ? Sports or the Savior? Sports. I would be really in trouble if I preached overtime today. Because some of you, your God is the Seattle Seahawks. Have you thought about that? There's nothing wrong. Are you going to have a sleepless night tonight if they lose? Are you going to? Some of you will. Because that's all you can think about. Selfishness or servanthood. Wine and whiskey are a Christ-like witness. Did you, did you see that posting, uh, the video? There's a Canadian singer that professes Christ. He's being followed up. He's being discipled by the Hillsong pastor, of Australia Hillsong. You know the Hillsong, all the stuff, all the stuff they do. The secular press posted the pictures in the video of the Hillsong pastor taking this singer who does have a problem with alcoholism and drinking, you know, to identify with the world and please bless him. Took him to a bar in which there putting down the, the, the booze and they get so wild that the singer takes off, he's a Christian, quote unquote, takes off his shirt and takes off his pants and runs around in his underwear. Now that is a secular press. And the headline was, is this the way Christians live? Is this the way Christians live? So what we associate with, who we associate with. The book of Proverbs continually warns that association with the wicked will corrupt you. Proverbs 4.14 says, do not enter the path of the wicked. That is where you start adapting to the world of drinking and immodesty and tattoos and rudeness and crudeness and immorality. Therefore, as in Christ, seek to associate with men and women who Lies will spur you on to to love and good works and people that will encourage you to live a life of purity and love and good works and godliness. I was converted later in life. I was converted out of the drinking world and everything else that went with it. And the man who led me to Christ said, Doug, you've wasted a lot of your life. Get next to men and women of God 
and learn from them. So, so, so who do you associate with? Number five, new appetites. New affections, new attitudes, new actions, new associations. Now new appetites. The appetites of the world's five S's. You know what they are. Song, social status, success, sports, and number one of all of them, sex. It fills. You can't even have an advertisement for a car without sex. You can't go to a football game in halftime without bodies portrayed half glad. The sexual revolution of abortion and homosexuality and transgenderism and, and uh, gay marriage has taken over our society, hasn't it? You and I as Mananampalatayas can make a difference. Have you read Romans chapter 1 recently? Romans chapter 1 deals with the corruption of society and it says that the rampant acceptance of homosexuality is always the final state of the decay of our society, of any society. And look what the world has blasted us with every day. These are the very people we should go after with the gospel of Christ. Not accept their sin, but go after them in their sin and declare the good news of Christ to deliver them from their sin and trust Jesus as Savior. Many of you have perhaps memorized 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's pleasure, the lust of the eyes, possessions, and the boastful pride of life, that's pride, is not from the Father, but from the world. Notice these three things. The appetite of pleasure, what satisfies me? The appetite of possessions, what I want. The appetite of pride, what gives me power and attention and prestige and, and popularity? The new, our new appetite should be for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All this is difficult, isn't it? It's difficult, isn't it? Someone wrote, Godly character is both the fruit of the Spirit, as God works in us, and the result of our personal efforts. Seems like contradictory, doesn't it? We as Christians are totally dependent upon the Spirit of God to do anything in us, for us to accomplish anything. And totally responsible, and we working within us, and we are totally responsible for our own character development, our obedience and growth and sanctification. Do you notice that? Totally dependent in this own the spirit, but you and I being totally responsible for our walk with God. The apostle Paul says in Colossians one twenty nine, I labor but according to his power. See, all this you know, heavy stuff, put on, put off, put to death, do, don't, that's difficult. Holy Spirit works in us to accomplish that, but we, in our effort trusting him, I labor, Paul said, but according to his power. According to his power. Number six, new aims. Before only I mattered, not as Christ in his glory which matters. As a new person in Christ Jesus, our aim is now to glorify Christ and enjoy him forever. To glorify Christ in all of our life, in our family, in our work. And yes, even in our sports, to glorify God. Several years ago, when our son, our grandson Douglas, he graduated last year from high school and he was offered six Basketball, full scholarships at universities. Six universities. And he turned them all down because he did not want basketball to control his life. But when he was a junior in high school, 
Margaret and I had just arrived in the Philippines around noon, and Douglas was playing in a, in a, in a very important basketball game. His high school, Faith Academy, was playing a college team, college Filipino team. And they had good players. And uh, at 2 o'clock that afternoon, well, we went right from the airport <laughs> to the college gymnasium to watch the game. We got there late. The game was almost over. We're sitting in the stands, and Douglas had saw us come in. <laughs> you know, he was excited to see his grandmother and grandfather. And uh, Faith Academy was really close. They were behind only by one point. And it was six seconds left in the game. And the other team had the ball. So there's no way they're going to win. So this is kind of keeping the ball away from Faith Academy. But Douglas came out of nowhere, stole the ball. And he goes down court. And the last second of the game, he jumps up in the air. And Douglas never misses a layup. A simple layup like that. And he goes up to put the ball in the net, win the game. But he missed the basket. Faith Academy lost the game. And I was expecting halfway for Douglas to act like you see all the sports stars do. To run over to the bench, kick the chair, sit down, swear, take a towel, put it on his head. I don't know what that does. (laughs) But the game was over. Douglas turns, runs up into the stands, and hugs his grandmother and his grandfather with his little sweaty body. And he says to me, Grandpa, wasn't that a wonderful game? Wasn't that a wonderful game? That was so much fun. And then he said, I'll be back in a few minutes. And he runs back down onto the court, runs over to the other team, and they never do this in the Philippines runs over to the other team and congratulates all of them. Congratulates all of them. I wonder, was God glorified in that action? To live a holy life, our aim, God said, to be holy for I'm holy. An aim to live obedient lives. Jesus said to take the gospel, the good news to everybody. To reach out to those around us as well as beyond us. 2.5 billion people with no Christians living near them to tell them that Jesus died on the cross for their salvation. Is this church sending out missionaries? Is it? We support four missionaries. Are we going to be sending some missionaries from our church? Who are the leaders of this church? We've got the missions committee, we've got the deacons, we've got the elders. You're the, you're the leaders. We've got others, we've got deaconesses. Are you praying? Nobody, you're a deaconess. Are you praying that God will raise up some of the kids from our church? Maybe not just some of the children, but maybe some of the older ones. All ages. Do you know they, they ask for more older people in missions today than younger people? Because young, older people can go into any culture around the world and be accepted almost right away. You know, maybe we should pray for some of the elders. If you're trying to get rid of some of the elders, maybe we should just pray, <laughs> pray them out. <laughs> Seriously, are we trusting God to raise up missionaries from our fellowship? See, some of us, we have the mentality because of our culture of education. Oh, we're only going to send them to the University of Washington or Oregon or Princeton or Yale or Harvard. Why? We're praying that God would touch some of the lives, send them to work among the 150 million orphans of the world today. 140 million street children, kids that live on the street with no mom and no dad to, to send someone 
the older ones, and by the way, women. You know, we've worked with street kids all of our life. If I approach a street child and he doesn't know me on the street, as a man, they're kind of reluctant to talk. But a lady could go. A young woman can go. An older grandmother could go and approach these kids and they, they gravitate to you right away because they have no mom. They have no dad. They have no relatives. No. What a difference you could make for the gospel of Christ. Speaking of children, have you noticed that it seems as if Satan has released all of his viciousness against women and children today? Women and men he deceives, but children, but children he aborts, he kills through abortion. 3,000 a day in our own country. And we don't speak about it because we don't want to offend those who may have had an abortion. Did you see the video clip of R.C. Sproul this last week? He was at a conference. He wasn't well. He was sitting down at the end. He had one of those breathing tubes on. And they're asking questions from the audience. The people in the audience were asking questions of the speakers. And one of them asked a question, you know, do you think if we talk about the judgment of God, do you think that would, is that really nice for us to do? Because it will make people feel bad. If we talk we make, about sin, it makes people feel bad. And should we be careful if God is love and so forth? Well, they asked another person, another speaker. But R.C. Sproul came out of his seat. May I, answer, may I answer that question? What's wrong with you people? Do you hear that question? Why would you ask such a, such a, a terrible question like that? In other words, you are more concerned for the feelings of a person than you are about the holiness of God. Same thing about abortion. We don't speak about it because we're afraid we're going to offend. We're going to make people feel bad. God is not honored with the aggressive, vile, wicked, murderous war on babies. Millions of unborn little ones are legally but immorally aborted, put to death yearly worldwide. The God of life is blasphemed. This God gives life, but wicked men take it. The Bible says in Psalm 12, 8, the wicked strut about on every side when vileness, vileness is, is exalted among the sons of men. We exalt homosexuality and abortion and transgenderism and all that we, we, we exalt it. God condemns it. The church needs a compassionate heart with a a gospel passion. The church needs to be at every place, every place of need, every day, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That is why you need to go. You don't need a program. You already have one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You don't need a leader. You already have one, Jesus Christ. You don't need a calling. You already have one. Take up your cross and follow him. You don't need a message. You already have one. Repent and believe the gospel. My wife and I were speaking at a missions conference, a small community outside of Portland, Oregon. Several began to tell of a recent memorial of a very godly older Christian man in the area who had, who had died and who had a real love for the Philippine people. His name was Wally. At his memorial service, several spoke of Wally's life, how he had never married, had a good job, had lived on very little, so he could spend, send most of the money that he made to a ministry in the Philippines. In fact, he lived, listen to this, he lived in a one-room house trailer in a relative's yard and the only electricity he had was a cord that ran from his trailer to the main house so he could have a little heat in the winter. In the summer, 
he even slept in a cave that he, he had built in a hillside behind the property there so he could have some coolness. With his modest salary, this one man, Wally, was able to assist a poor ministry in the Philippines and the complete support of 100 orphans. What a wonderful aim to have to the glory of God. The orphans probably never knew Wally's name, never met him, but God knows him. Hebrews 11 uses the phrase of people like Wally, of whom the world was not worthy. But Wally possibly would have smiled and said he was simply trying to obey what the Bible says in James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion and the sight of God is the care of orphans. What a wonderful aim to have. Saving the lives of needy children and orphans for the sake of his glory. Let me close. Our text says, old things have passed away, new things have come. New affections, new attitudes, new actions, new associations, new appetites, new aims. As we seek to live a life of holiness to God in the power of the Holy Spirit, I labor, but according to his power, perhaps someone will call out to you this week. Hey, milkman, do you have a new cow? And you can answer, no, I don't have a new cow. But you have a new milkman. I'm a new man. I'm a new husband. I'm a new wife. I'm a new parent. I'm a new waiter. I'm a new businessman. I'm a new policeman. I'm a new student. I'm new because I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. Christ has made me New. Hey, milkman, do you have a new cow? No, but you have a new milkman. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful passage of Scripture. Lord, as we come to the close of our service today, we ask that you would glorify your name. The songs that are sung, offering that is taken. Lord, may we live here today renewed in our newness of Christ, seeking to obey him, walking in newness of life, not for our sake, but for the glory of God, in whose name we pray. Amen.